We are back once again with another episode of Rhythms of Grace. This season, we're talking about parts of the Bible that have no easy answers, specifically in the New Testament. And I'm here with Sung Kim, who's the lead pastor of Grace Church. My name's Nate, the executive pastor at that very same church. And we basically have just been taking listener questions, right? They've been texting in or sending emails basically saying, hey, this is something that I don't understand. Can you help me understand it? Uh, So we've just looked at everything from the idea of hell to, um, you know, there's a verse that says you got to pluck your eyes out if they cause you to sin. Um, And I'll be honest, I think that on some of those, we're not landing as clearly as I know that I would sometimes like. You know, I wish that it was clearer, but the answers are, yeah, they're not easy. They're various. They're nuanced. Um, so all that to say, we're doing the best we can. Let's uh, let's hear what we're talking about today. Yep. Today we're going to talk about camels. Okay. Do you have any camels on the I farm? I do not. Uh, needles? Uh, <laughs> we do have needles on the farm uh, because we, like, medicate our own animals. You can buy them at, like, Ooh. Tractor Supply. Yeah, so, like... Buy basic antibiotics or whatever. Do you, do you keep needles in your haystacks? I don't have any needles in my haystacks, thankfully. And riches. We have some riches. <laughs> uh, it's interesting, actually, to think about that. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Okay. So, the passage, the question that came in was just, how do you explain this one passage where it's in Mark chapter 10, and it's about the rich and the kingdom of God, and there's a rich guy who comes, or a guy comes to Jesus and says, hey, you know, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? He says, you know, well, he gives them all this, Jesus responds to him, and, and the teacher, uh, the guy says, well, I've been doing that my whole life. Right, like keep all the commands, keep yep. all the commandments, and the guy's like, perfect, I've done that. Yeah, so basically he's very religious. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus looks at him and says, look, you, you lack one thing, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and then you have treasures in heaven, and, and then he turns away sad. And then as he turns to his disciples, he Jesus says this, which is hard to understand or interpret. It says He says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, which is really small, than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And it says, then the disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? And Jesus says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So before, before this is what I actually started to say, and then I thought there might be a better point, and here it is. Um, one of the things that I want to lay out there before we get too deep into this is that I think that some of our listeners, and I myself am, have a tendency to do this, I want to disqualify myself because I'm like, oh, I'm not rich. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm a college this, student. Yeah, this doesn't apply to me. <laughs> but here's, here's the truth of it. If you are living in the United States, you are so much wealthier than literally almost the, the entire world's population that clearly... This verse applies to you. This passage, I don't know how we're going to get it to apply, but I do know that it does. I mean, I once heard a guy describing it um, when he was talking about wealth, and he said, imagine, imagine the fact that you have a house or a place to stay, that puts you above other people. And then he said, imagine, what if you were so rich that you had a house that was just for your car? And most of us have garages. And then he said, imagine you were so rich that you have your own house, you have a house for a car, and then you actually have another place, another house that's just for your stuff. Mm. I mean, they are putting up new storage units 
everywhere all the time because we have so much stuff. We can't keep it in our house. We can't put it in our garage. We actually need a third place just to store our stuff. So I, I just want to be clear. I don't feel wealthy, but compared to the rest of the world, I am so far, so far much wealthier. That's a, not the way you'd say that at all. I am so much wealthier mm-hmm. than they are that this verse is for many of us listening right now. Yeah, and actually you get to the heart of what Jesus is trying to say here, mm-hmm. but we'll start from the beginning. Okay. Because what is Jesus talking about here? Like, And maybe you don't feel rich and you're like, Good. The rich don't make it to heaven. I never liked them anyways. Finally. Finally some justice. (laughs) But really, like, so on one hand, you know, scholars say really different things. Some say, for example, well, it's not really a literal needle that this camel is going through. And so there's a port um, hole in the wall into the city of Jerusalem. And it was really hard to, for a camel to go through it unless it was uh, on like some sort of diet or something. Mm, okay. And so uh, that, that's one interpretation. Uh, another interpretation just says, well, it's not a literal camel, hmm. which you go, what? Because in the original Greek, uh, the, the word for camel, camelos, is really similar to the wor- same word for rope, which is camelos. Oh, okay. So is that what Jesus is saying? Mm. Like, is it either one of those? I don't know about that. Right. I mean, because because the point that they would make is like, well, it's impossible for the um, the for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's not just difficult; it's impossible. And on one hand, I mean, that's true whether you're rich or poor. Yeah. Because given our own effort, we're, we're never going to make it. Is it is impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I think that Jesus is trying to get to at something else here, too. Uh, because in ancient times, unlike wealthy people today, um, uh, I, well, hmm, th- I, this is half true today, but the rich were viewed as really blessed by God. Um, so they, they're not seen as these wealthy, greedy corporate types, but as people who were actually favored yeah. by God. And so pure, without corruption. There was something about them inherently in their character that God blessed them with riches. Mm. And Jesus and Jesus saying, look, it is impossible for the rich, meaning those favored by God. Right. That, that's how they would have heard it. Yeah. To enter the kingdom of God. And so the disciples are amazed, like, what? E- even those that God favors right. can't make right. it? And it's important to hear that, right? That what essentially they heard was even those favored by God cannot get into heaven. Yeah. Like that's what he that's what they heard him saying, which is why they were sort of blown away. Yeah. So is Jesus saying that wealth is bad? Mm-hmm. Um you have to understand that a lot of people in the Bible were really wealthy. Mm-hmm. Abraham was really wealthy. Yep. Solomon. Solomon? I mean more so. Even Job. Yeah. I mean, each of his kids had houses. He had so much flock and land, which was the measurement of wealth back then. And so Jesus isn't saying, like, look, if you're wealthy, and going back to your disclaimer, like, which is all of us, uh, Jesus isn't saying, well, if you're wealthy and live in America, then you won't be able to, uh, then you won't be able to get into the kingdom of God. Mm. Um, um, so Jesus doesn't really deny that you can be both wealthy and still obey God. And even the whole command to, to the rich young ruler to say, hey, go sell everything. Yeah. Like sometimes people will ask, well, is that, is, is that true of me? Mm. Um, yeah, so th- thoughts on that? 
Nate? Well, I mean, we kind of glossed over a, a section of this story that I often sort of reflect on, which is that after after this young man says to Jesus, like, I've, I've done all this uh, since I was a boy. I've kept all these. It says Jesus looked at him and loved him. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of that that feels to me deeply, deeply personal and deeply, deeply individual. And so, I, I mean, and I don't know, but I think you can look at what follows. It's true that there are lessons for us to be learned, but Jesus was actually speaking to that man about the condition of his heart. Right. And while there are lessons for us to learn there, it's not like Jesus was saying to all people, everyone should sell everything they have and give to the poor before they can follow me. I think that is too broad of an application. Yep. But that's just me. Yeah, no, you're right on. He was getting to the heart of this young man's um, heart. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean he may not call some people. Sure. To in fact, Saint Francis of Assisi read this, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah, I mean, he he lived a life of poverty and generosity, and uh, made vows. Mm-hmm. So, um, but at the same time, even if the exact um, if the exact uh, command isn't for everyone, I think there are probably principles yeah. behind it that actually do apply more broadly, and they might they might be applied differently, but they they. This, they are sort of true for everyone. Yeah. Yep. And I think uh, I'll offer this up and have you respond to this. What what Jesus was trying to get at is, um, just because by nature human beings are in, influenced by sin and our sin nature, like wealth and riches easily becomes a, a, a controlling factor in our yeah. lives, right? Like money was, was designed to like, um, was designed as a, as a way of economic transactions, but because of the, the nature of human beings, money actually becomes our identity mm-hmm. or even a sense of uh, a status. Mm-hmm. And so instead of uh, making us stewards, uh, money makes us hoarders. Well, I mean, I think you see that even in the, this person, this you know, young man in the Bible. I mean, imagine if you were living in a place where wealth was considered a sign of God's favor. You would in some ways believe, like, I have a right to this. Like, I earned this. I lived such a righteous life that God blessed me. You know, sort of that transactional nature. And so he's sitting there probably feeling like, hey, this is mine. Like, I earned this. All of this wealth that I enjoy. I mean, I worked hard. I've been keeping these stupid, com- no, not stupid. I've been keeping these commandments <laughs> for my, since I was a boy. Yeah. That means that this, that I've earned this. And then Jesus says, you got to sell all that and give it to the poor. So clearly, I think it was a significant part of his identity. Yeah. And that never happens in our church. Oh, thankfully. <laughs> Thankfully, I never have that issue, so we can wrap this up real easy. Yeah, you know, and talking about money, or or let's even talk deeper about greed, which, again, we may think like, oh, Jeff Bezos or all these corrupt capitalists who just, you know, want money and nothing else and trample over people. Like, as a pastor, um, I've had people confess to me all sorts of things, but I, I don't think I've ever had somebody say, 
you know what, Sung? Here's my confession. I spend too much money on myself. I think my greedy lust for money is destroying my family. Yeah. Like, nobody says that. I mean, literally, I don't think I've ever had anyone say that to me, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And so, the, 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 this is the hidden danger of greed mm-hmm. because it buries itself so deep into the, the, the soil of your heart that you don't even recognize it. Yeah. Like, you, we justify yeah. uh, whether it's security or anything else. And, and so, we, you know... Uh, uh, what, what, for example, when you're, it, when you're committing adultery, you, you don't like wake up the next morning in, in another person's bed and go, Oh, like I, 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 I didn't know I was doing this. Right. Like you, you know, yeah. and, and this is, this is the danger of greed is like you, f- we fall into it all the time, but we never recognize. Yeah. I mean, greed, part of it tr- t- is like culturally, and again, we're sp- speaking to a very sort of probably North American audience, but it is the water that we swim in. It is <laughs> yes. so embedded in the culture that we are, um, we're, we're sort of, yeah, we, it's like the air we breathe, yeah. you know? So you don't even, you don't even have to do anything for it to become a part of the way that you view the world. Yeah. And so, uh, one of the points, may, or maybe sub-points that Jesus is trying to make is here. Riches uh, make really great servants, but they're terrible masters. Mm-hmm. And here, it is a master of this young ruler. Yeah. And, and you can see that in the way that he responds. Yeah, right. And, and so he's getting at who is your real master. Yeah. If you want to follow me, I have to be your master. If not, um, I know what's ruling your heart. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, like let's talk about, um, he's, he says, uh, what, so as we talk about riches and wealth, um, how, how would you, uh, maybe this is more personal or even more practical and, and let me know if we're getting away from maybe the, the initial question. Mm, okay. But how, how how would you suggest or recommend somebody to uh, examine their hearts? Oh, man. That's a good question. It is a good question. And, and I, I think what complicates it and seems appropriate considering this is called no easy answers is that I don't think there's, I don't think there's a level where the amount of money you have becomes wrong mm-hmm, necessarily. Right. It's not that cut and dry. Yep. So it isn't as simple as like, well, if you make more than $50,000 a year, everything <laughs> above that is sinful. I, you know, right. it's true. It is is so much more nuanced when you look at it as a heart condition. And I think your description of uh, being a servant versus a master is a good one. Um, you know, asking yourself the question, what do I think my money is for? Mm. I w- you know, is it is it to for me to get all the things that I want? Is it for me to have the security that I always craved? Is it for me to acquire power and influence? Um, or, and I, I think that there are people, even very wealthy people, that ask this, is this a tool by which I can be a part of what God is doing 
mm-hmm. in the world around me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that I think that there are people that I- for me it's fascinating to look at the number of uh, billionaires who, after a lifetime spent accumulating their wealth, at some point realize I need to give all of this away. Right. Like they reach a point where they realize, oh, this this sort of relentless accumulation is not bringing me what I want. And there's a shift there that I think is is a shift towards a God-centric worldview, which says this money needs to be a tool um, that I use for good. And I think you and I can make that exact same decision. I mean, my wife and I, uh, when we were young, newly married, ridiculously poor, <laughs> I remember, I remember tithing the last dollar in our checking account. Wow. We just felt like, look, this is like, this is what this is for. We're just going to do it. And uh, another story that I think is closely aligned is that (laughs) we regularly had someone dropping money through the mail slot of our apartment (laughs) and we never found out who it was, but it often coincided with us prayerfully saying like, Hey God, you know that we need money mm-hmm. like, or us or like right after this kind of saying like, all right, we believe God has called us to do this. We don't know what we're going to do or we're, you know, how we're going to make it till the paycheck comes on Friday. Right. Uh, but we regularly got cash contributions <laughs> through our door <laughs> slot. I'm telling you, man, like that for me had really impacted the way that I think about money. Yeah. It was so far out of my control and so clearly something that God was taking care of. Um, that while I do worry about money, I don't think about it the same way that I did before those experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think, right, uh, I was going to say, <laughs> very similarly, uh, when we first got married, actually before we got married too, like we and we made nothing, uh, <laughs> close to yeah. nothing. And it, it almost felt like, gosh, it's only like this much, like mm-hmm. tithing. It felt so small. Yeah. We could have justified right. it's saying like $7. Like, yeah, like, like, why, why, why even give this? <laughs> yeah. You know, this yeah. is like a ramen lunch today. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that practice early on really sets you up. Mm-hmm. Um, e- even as you get wealthier, as you advance in your career, as you gain more experience, um, which is something I see. I, I think one thing uh, which is always telling is to look at what you spend your money on. Mm-hmm. You know, look at your credit card statement. Yeah. Uh, if you, uh, and uh, again, like this is where, this is just, these are just principles um, that good stewardship and I think uh, financial gurus would say. And, and we, 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 like we as a family, um, ab- uh, like, abide ourselves to this, which is like, Hey, spend 80%, save 10 and, and give 10. Give 10. Mm-hmm. We, we probably actually save more than 10 because <laughs> we don't, uh, but, but it's really, it's you don't really, do anything. We don't, no, <laughs> no, you know what? Actually, like the, the one thing we do, two things that we do splurge on and spend money on is, um, I would say on the weekends, Amy doesn't want to cook. So we'll, 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 uh, go out and eat. Yeah. And then um, on occasions throughout the year, we'll travel. Yeah. But outside of that, like, until recently, Mm. like, just a few months ago, like, we didn't didn't do Netflix. We we didn't do anything. Yeah. Like, um, oh, this is a guilty pleasure. Every football season, I subscribe to Fubo, which is, like, an all-sports channel. Oh, really? So that is is where (laughs) I spend my money. I'm like, I don't watch – I don't like watching TV the rest of the year, but, man, for those four, five, six months in the fall, that's all I do Saturday and after church Sunday. Yeah. 
Uh, anyways, but <laughs> the point is where, where, you know, Jesus is where your treasure is. There is your heart also. Mm. And so if you look at what you spend your money on, it could be a good indicator of what captures your heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that, that could be a clue. Yeah. So can, can I take us, uh, this might be a bit of a rabbit trail mm-hmm. for a minute, because w- one broader principle that I think is interesting to look at from this story is that Jesus was essentially saying to this man, the very thing that you attribute to God's favor, mm-hmm. I'm asking you to give up. Yeah. And for some of us, even if that isn't money, it's a, it's an interesting question to say what aspects of your life do you attribute to the favor of God, and are you willing? Would you be willing to sacrifice that in pursuit of Jesus? So for some of us, that could be um, our career. position, yeah, career, our position in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, it you know, kind of saying like, would you give that up if Jesus was calling you to follow Him in a new direction? Yeah. That's a harder question for me. It is. Because more often than not, when I talk to people, they'll say something like this. Oh, man, you know, wife and I, we both have great jobs. We have a great family. And, um, yeah, we we have enough. Mm. We're really blessed. Yeah. You don't hear, man, I'm going through hardship and trials. I'm really blessed. Yeah. Which, again, I think really cu- uh, reveals our Western mindset. Yeah. And we do think, oh, God, has, and God has blessed us with those things. Yeah. But it's just the one-sidedness of what we define as blessing. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. don't often think, man, this is just a trying season. Yeah. Um, and, and I think sometimes God has to take you to certain places. And, and as you look back, you realize, oh, so the, the, those were the times when I was actually blessed beyond material blessings. Yeah. yeah. But in a way that sh- has shaped me as a person, that the comfort and the luxury of wealth and riches could never do. Yeah. And we all wish that could happen. Right. <laughs> right. Happens. Well, I mean, one of the things that, one of the concepts that you put out there in a sermon uh, several months ago that, that my family and I were even talking about today was the concept of unhealthy peace. Kind of like the absence of conflict, even when there should be conflict. And so I could see, and this is this is just I'm imagining here, but you could be in, a, let's say, a marriage that is full of an unhealthy peace. And the fact that you're not fighting would feel like a blessing. Mm. Feel like, oh, you know, we don't yeah. fight very much. But God might actually want to lead you into a season of conflict in order to strengthen your marriage. I know that that maybe sounds like that yeah, doesn't, but it does. The, yeah. the life does work that way. And, and my wife and I have experienced sort of growths in maturity where we realize, Oh, we need to wrestle our way through this together right now. And yeah. it's going to be painful and we're going to have to sort of love each other despite this. But we know that this is something that we need to do. And it feels like I, some, you wish like, oh, I wish we could just go back to the time when we weren't fighting, you know, or when we weren't on opposite sides of this issue. But it is probably similar to what God was saying to this young man, which is like, will you sacrifice the very thing that you consider to be a blessing Mm -hmm. and a sign of my favor in order for something new that I want to bring? Yeah. And that's good because it it might be the very thing in your life that you think, oh, this is God's uh, sign of favor in my life. Yeah. That he might be pointing your finger at his point, (coughs) excuse me, his finger at (coughs) And exposing something in your heart that's kind of golem like. Oh, I mean, it, it's it it's a uh, man. I don't know if 
I mean, it's kind of like idolatry, right? It in is. some ways, it's like saying, well, look, you know, this is perhaps an image of God or an image of God's favor, but it is not. And you can set those things up um, and essentially be engaged in, you know, idolatry, which is putting something else in front of your, you know, your face to worship. Oh boy! All yeah. right, we're in deep now, song. Now I'm thinking through. Now I'm thinking about my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, one thing you said just before about conflict in marriages, right? Uh, that that could be um, for uh, that could just be. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be fighting as much as even just facing and and ha- confronting yeah. conversations that you know you have to have. Yep. Because some people like they'll just avoid conflict and say, "Nope, yeah, it's peaceful." Yeah. No, no, no. The conflict for you is I'm going to have this conversation yeah. because the potential of disagreement and right. fighting, even if, even if that's not the, the nature of the conversation. Yep. Yeah. And it's good for you to, to, to clarify that conflict or the potential for conflict doesn't always look like a fight. It can right. ju- I mean, you can be in a hard conversation. Yeah. You can be in a hard conversation where you're not even necessarily disagreeing, but there is conflict. Perhaps it's the two of you uniting against a, a, a dynamic in your relationship or in your family or in your life that you don't want to be there anymore. Yeah. And that is still conflict. It isn't, you're not necessarily um, uh, against each other, but you're still engaging in conflict. And yeah. so it's good to clarify that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, the <laughs> one reference I made just a, a minute ago, and, uh, and, and you jumped in with a different comment, but I said, I, just the image that, that comes to mind is like we all have an inner golem mm-hmm. where, you know, his obsession with the ring, yeah. he's like, you know, we wants it, we needs it. Yeah. You know, like we, we, don't, we don't say that, but internally that, that is the condition of our hearts. Yeah. Uh, whether it be wealth or anything else. And like you were saying, like the, the very thing that you think God is blessing you with. And so maybe it's like your kids or your family. Yeah. You know, oh, we're just so blessed with a great family. And you are. Mm-hmm. But that might be the very thing that is preventing you from drawing closer to God. Or how about respect? Yeah. R- respect of your peers. Or mm-hmm. like, would you, if God was really calling you to do something that you knew the people around you would not understand and not approve of, would you still be willing to do that? Mm. Um, those things, those things strike for me at least. Those things strike a lot closer to home than uh, the issue of money. For some of the reasons I explained, but man, when I start to think through those, I get really uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, really, I get really uncomfortable. Yeah, and I would say in this story with the young rich ruler, uh, Jesus. This isn't in the Bible, but this is this is where I think the hope of the good news of Jesus comes in. He, you know, when he looked at this young man and he loved him, what I imagine maybe going through his mind is something like, look, you want to talk about young, like I'm eternal. You want to talk about riches you can't even imagine. Like you have a few trinkets compared to what I gave up. Uh, Like the kingdoms of the universe are, are, are my treasure and talk about being a ruler. Like, I don't know what you, I, well, he, he, you, you rule over this little right. thing. Yeah, <laughs> this little kingdom. Yeah, I, I rule the entire universe and yeah. myriads of angels at my beck and call. Uh, like, I, I, I was there at the beginning. I, I rule all of creation. And, and you want to talk about young rich ruler, Jesus would, like, I, I imagine him thinking, like, that's me. Yeah. And you know what? I gave it all up. Right. I did go sell everything. Right. Um. 
And when you think about that, what kind of response does that demand? Yeah. I mean, and also that Jesus was in some ways inviting the the rich young ruler to give up his tiny kingdom to be a part of this massive, expansive kingdom. Right. And, and I know that I can look around at my life and sort of feel like, all right, here's the boundaries. Like this is sort of, you know, this is the boundaries of my farm. This is the boundaries of my family. This is the boundaries of my relationships. I'm really pretty comfortable here. Mm-hmm. And God could be saying, I'm asking you to leave that kingdom in order to be a part of mine. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, like I said, that makes me very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. How about you, Sung? I've shared lots of personal I, 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 stories. I, I was just going to press the cricket sound. That's uh, <laughs> what it feels like. I, I mean, I'm thinking pretty hard over here, you know. Uh, how, do, how, do you fe- how do those things make you feel when you like those type of concepts? Um, it's something that God does over and over again mm-hmm. in my life. Because I like to control my little kingdom. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like, oh, 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 I, I, let's, let's even get more specific in terms of, um, like, generosity. Um, and, and we could expand to other areas. But there have been times um, where I've looked at, like, how much money we give away mm. to missionaries, to the church, to just people in general. And, and... Fortunately, I haven't thought this recently, but, uh, the, you know, sometimes you think, man, you know how many vacations I can right, go on? You start to do the math. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, to be honest, I've heard other people say the same thing, too. Like, mm-hmm. oh, man, it, it, we could do this if we didn't do that, yeah. if we didn't give. And I think that's the wrong perspective. Mm. Um, uh, I, well, and this may be this this may start off as a selfish kind of reason. But this is this happens just all the time where when you give and not necessarily money, but like it could be money, but time, energy, words, or just anything. And you give it away and somebody comes back and and tells you the impact it's made. Like, again, this may seem like more selfish, but like the, the, what it does to you, um, it, it is not something you could put a price on. Yeah. Um, and, and even if you do, and the part of faith that faith comes in is like you give 99% of time, not knowing yeah. what kind of impact it's making yeah. you give to some homeless ministry or, or you give your time and, and, and attention to a homeless person. Like you don't know, but how do you, how do you get outside of your own little kingdom and yeah. your own little world? And, and honestly, a lot of just like, I think what drives me is just that sense of faith and hope. Like, you know, um, yeah, I, I just love drives this and I'm just going to believe God's going to do what he does mm-hmm. that only he sees yeah. and that only he can do. Yeah. It's kind of like that story about the, the boy with the two fish, you know, it's like, okay, God, here's my two fish. Yeah. And I think one day we're going to be blown away. I, I, I almost feel like. Once the new heavens, new earth is here, we're in the, in the world to come. We're going to look back and we're going to think like, you know, in this world, we're always like, oh, how much can I keep instead of giving away? Mm-hmm. I feel like in the, in the next, we'll look back and, and go like, man, I wish, like, because it'll be so upside down. Yeah. We're going to go like, oh, I wish we would have given more away. Yeah. It, it's like the story, the, the movie, uh, uh, what's that movie? Um, 
uh, Liam Neeson, black and white. He he helps save Schindler's the, List. Schindler's List. Yeah. Remember that scene at the yeah. end when he's like he I I, I don't remember it. But it was a ring or something. Yeah, like, like that. A, some gold thing. Yeah. And then he realizes how many uh, people that saved. Yeah. And then the thing he regretted was he he wished he could have just sold the car, or sold this, and yeah. to save that many more people. Yeah. Like for me, that that is an image of like the rewards when Jesus talks about like, um, uh, like it makes this invitation. Hey, leave your smaller story, mm-hmm. and, and enter into this larger story. So, I mean, that that is hard because that's that's a world that you don't see. Yeah, yeah. What that, you do see right. is the number in your bank account. Right, and there isn't necessarily like a um, uh, ROI promise, <laughs> right. right? Like Jesus didn't say if you sell everything, then I mean, he does a little bit later talk about that a little bit more broadly. Uh, that might I don't know if we have time to go into that, but um, what does he say? He's you know. Uh, Shoot, my my app just my app just crashed. Uh, but he talks about like people if you give it away. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Here it is. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Uh, so again, I don't think that he is talking about. Uh, like prosperity gospel, sort of like you invest a dollar and Jesus gives you a hundred dollars right. back. Right. And that's where we get hung up. Right. But he is talking about the very thing you were putting your finger on the opportunity to be, be a part of a much bigger story. Yeah. In fact, I would say, uh, this is a, a, pl- a play with words a bit, but like what Jesus is offering is actually more prosperous than the prosperity gospel mm. in the sense that, you know, don't equate the same thing. Prosperity gospel says that you'll get the richest here on earth. Yeah. Jesus saying, no, you're going to get a hundred times in, in, in the world to come. And we can't even imagine that. Yeah. I, I can't like, I, I, you know, it's so hard for us, but, um, yeah, I, th- that wasn't really, I don't know. You asked me about my life. I, I, I got back to more the- the- theoretical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think just to say, like, greed is, is this hidden idol, um, and I think the quicker we recognize and admit and acknowledge it, you know, the um, greed just makes us blind to our own blindness. Yeah, yeah, and again, I think it's... I, I, there, it's easy to, to apply this to money, but there's, there's greed in terms of... Again, relationships. Yep. There's a, time. a time. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And that's the very thing that I think Jesus is confronting. And where things get tricky is that it's different for every person. Yeah. It'd be great if you could say, like, hey, here's the line. Just stay above this line. You're going to be fine. I mean, that's that's kind of what the rich young ruler was trying to do, right? right. He was right. like, look, I mean, if the line is obeying the law, I'm above the line. And Jesus is like, no, actually, that's not where the line is for you. Yeah. So that takes a measure, as all of these things do, of discernment and processing and praying and thinking and listening. So it's tricky. It's a tricky one, but uh, I think one that we can all relate to. Yeah. Well, thanks again for joining us for another episode of Rhythms of Grace. Uh, So glad that you were here, and please come back next week. We're going to look at another passage that will be as equally, if not more, confusing. God bless.